Hey, Sam. Hey, Nathan. This is great. Are you? Uh, it was cool. It counted. It in. counted us in. Yeah, we. <laughs> I don't know how many other interviews you've done on various podcasts over the years, but it's quite strange whenever there's. I don't know. There's like an added sense of drama and tension when they when they yeah. pre-roll with like a really polished intro. You know what I mean? Like a, like yeah. actual music and and actual catchphrases and things to. Um, yeah, just make it really seem professional. I don't know. It makes everything feel a little more uh, like there's consequence to us starting a discussion. <laughs> like this is like this is really happening. This is now. actually like happening. this is going to happen. I hope the quality. And we're going to record. This is probably the first live stream we've ever done. I think maybe we did one with the Prisms record release over Instagram did, live yeah. or something silly, but it wasn't like the way you should do it. Nope. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is definitely pro right here. It seems pretty great. Uh, so we're live streaming episode 82. To Normally we have titles for it, but I decided the titles afterward. Wait, are you live streaming this as well? We're live streaming it, yeah, on YouTube and Facebook, oh. my Facebook page oh, and uh, a public oh, okay. YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can see if anybody wants to comment as the discussion uh, rolls along. That would be great. But this will be available in post later on. Uh, for listening on your regular podcast player. So uh, I wanted to get you on ASAP because I don't know if you <laughs> woke up this morning and saw the same email I did. Did you see an email this morning? I didn't see any email okay. this morning. The Zeiss camera available for pre-order. It's shipped and coming tomorrow. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, I found, so they, they had an email notification. Hey, you can, it's in stock. You can order it. Uh, and in, the big two that they nudged you to, to buy from were Adorama and B&H. And I've actually found that Adorama uh, with the Hasselblad that I've talked a lot about recently and yep. other kind of low stock, very expensive immediately sold out type of inventory adorama always has stuff uh in stock i think bnh has sort of overwhelmed the market just enough that they instantly sell out no matter what but adorama is just under everybody's radar is kind of the second place to check for things that they always have yep. stuff in stock although it might be out now nope in stock and ready to ship still there zeiss zx1 now we've talked about this camera a ton it is cool. It is cool. It's got Lightroom built into it. And the more we talked about it, the more I started to guess and, and, and make some assumptions about what the experience was going to be like, where it was like an Android app, where it was probably one app for taking mm -hmm. photos and another app f to like legit just right. open Lightroom to, mobile, how you would on mobile. To edit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like that. Apparently, it is a custom bespoke uh, to Ooh. the camera version of Lightroom, at least in all the promo, like actual GUI samples that they've shown, which would be really misleading if those aren't accurate. Um, it's It seems pretty seamless. And this ties in really well for me. I'm so excited because my develop uh, edit pack uh, has been... Um, paired with a mobile installer. So my presets will, oh, okay. will install to Lightroom mobile instead of just Lightroom and, and, or having to like manually do it yourself that you could do it with your so, presets, but it sucked because you had to like copy them over. That's all. Yeah. So we, so in theory, it should be able to accept presets from it, the like camera itself from a theory, mobile. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm really fascinated. I haven't done, I mean, I can pull it up right now and we can look through. I haven't done a ton of research about what the experience of getting the images off the, the camera are like. I know it's USB-C, but I don't know if it's got a paired, mm-hmm. I, would, I assume it has like a Bluetooth Wi-Fi. And it's, is connection. it all internal storage or does it have a, an SD That's card? A great question. Let's see. So it does have I Wi-Fi. Just to, to loop back to that, it's got 4K, 30 frames per second. It is a awkward focal length for me, 35 millimeter f2. It's not my favorite, yeah. but it's and, a street it's, camera. and it's not a swappable lens, by the way. So for six thousand dollars you're pretty yeah. locked in but uh you know they launched it it's been like two years i can't believe it's actually... i know i've been waiting for this forever yeah i wonder if the covid if it was supposed to be launched earlier and covid delayed it or if this seems about right for what it is like a camera maker or a, a lens company that's making their i think first camera zeiss uh trying mm. to do something totally innovative with Lightroom built in, it seems like it would have taken about two years. So I'm curious if things did get pushed back. Okay, huge built-in 512 gigabyte SSD. So they're hitting all the the right notes for me. I'm very excited. Uh, This is what we've been talking about on uh, on the podcast for years at this point. It's like, what if we had a camera that didn't, like who cares about SD cards? Like we don't need those anymore. Like why not just have cameras with built-in storage? It makes a lot of sense to me. And then some way of seeing your presets, your preferred baseline, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, just your general sort of starting point settings right out of the gate. Now it will be, mm-hmm. I, my jaw will hit the floor. Yeah. If as yes. you're taking the photo, you see your, your <laughs> yeah. settings applied, that would be mind-blowingly be so great. <laughs> Anyway, but in theory, in theory, in theory, if it, if it were like a LUT type of situation, I feel like it would be possible. I don't really feel like it would be possible. Yeah. Well, not agree. I don't think it possible is the right word, but I, I don't think it would be as feasible to like have to run real time processing on your viewfinder versus just like applying a LUT. Maybe that would be less like yeah. performance and D&H uh, has um, put up some videos. Looks like they put one up literally today. Today, oh. uh, it's a big camera. Like when you actually see it in this guy's hands, it's, oh, is it's, it, really? it looks tiny. I know, like, like exactly. It, it's big, um, and I'm seeing him operate it. I don't want to play the audio, and I don't want to share my screen because I don't want to get copyright tagged. But it looks. Um, you know, he's certainly editing it on the fly in the camera and it looks reasonably good, but I still can't quite tell if your preset is pre-applied in the live view yet. That'll be exciting. So uh, this must be the day. This must be the first day. And I'm, I'm curious how many, the price point is automatically alienating. I think a ton of people are just like, that's cool. Moving on. They're not even. Yeah. I can't afford that right yeah. now. Um, the, but the, it's cr- the touch screen seems responsive. Cool. Uh, like just again, watching these people, yep. watching somebody yeah, else, a video of a video <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, so it's hard to really, really know, but I'm assuming uh, from a optical perspective, it's going to be fantastic uh, being it's mm-hmm. nice, but I will be, I guess the, the other big question then is autofocus and actual tracking. Does it do face tracking? Mm-hmm. Is it, does it have all like the features you would expect from a modern mirrorless camera or not? I'll, I'll be fascinated to see. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to say about it other than it's launched and I'll have it and, uh, you know, fully willing and prepared to return it if, if it doesn't keep up with 
keeping me inspired and, and happy. Uh, I would love like the, the Hasselblad that I bought is such a great inspirational camera that I love, but it's not going to find a, a place in my wedding work really at all. And I'm fine with that. I like having a, a camera dedicated to sort of like, this is my personal space for right. photo making, but I would like a camera that fits that personal space. But if I wanted to can easily be like a, a, you know, cover an hour's worth of photos at a wedding day. A uh, camera like the Zeiss CX-1 sure. I think could, could fit that mold. It would be fun to take this around during cocktail exactly. hour and just kind of shoot away. That's what I used to do with my Leicas, but even those were so limited with manual focus. It was, you know, maybe like a 15-minute round of photos with it before I was like, man, missing mm -hmm. too many moments or just the friction isn't worth it for candids, right? It's like whatever. Um, but you know, one one big thing, it doesn't have a the this rear display doesn't flip out, so you are locked into. Right. But it does have the display and the the electronic viewfinder, so you have the, the either or option there. Yeah, it yeah it looks it looks really cool. That it does look very responsive. Yeah. Oh, did you pull up the video? Here. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it it looks quite large. This photo, I'll I'll message it to you. This one is uh, a little bit better about it's in somebody's hands so you can kind of it it's not like super compact oh it is big. yeah yeah i wonder if it's heavy i don't know it's like a big it, it looks to be a kind of like postcard size almost maybe yeah oh we got a question the camera we're discussing is the zeiss zx1 it's a 32 millimeter f 2.0 zeiss lens 30, 35 35 sorry 35 f2 zeiss lens fixed to a mirrorless camera built by zeiss that has lightroom integrated into the camera live live view and os and everything for editing right there so um this camera was announced years ago finally started shipping today uh and i was able to find it's still in stock at adorama i'm pretty sure last i checked bnh was out of stock instantly <laughs> and yeah just to sum up where we are so far adorama seems to in general not just with this camera but other uh, products as well have better in stock availability so have you ever ordered yeah, from I also, yourself nathan yeah i i was gonna say um i got my um i got my r6, r6 ah. from adorama because bnh was sold out um for a while and then adorama had it just like a split second i guess before yeah bnh did and so i just ended up getting it from from adorama when i was back in stock adorama is great they're they're very you know similar companies they're both in in new york and they're, they're like blocks from really each other they seem yeah i think bnh got the jump on partnering better and with in terms of affiliate programs and kind of youtubers in general and uh, mm -hmm. also i think maybe they rolled out like free overnight shipping uh, before yeah. Adorama, I'm not sure, but Adorama seems to be doing that now. Like, no questions asked. Dude, it just comes overnight. B and H, B and H is great. I just I, I remember the last time I was there, which actually was the well, I guess I've only been there twice. But the cool thing about B and H, if you've never gone, and hopefully we'll be able to go at some point again, um, is I was just there. that it's, it's you can. You oh, can you were. Oh, okay. yeah, you just have to wear a mask. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, the cool thing about it for me was when uh, I walked in and the, the way that they do shipping, I guess, is somehow integrated with the actual sales floor. So while you're in the uh, on the sales floor and like walking around looking at stuff, you can see conveyor belts of like products just like from the warehouse flying around to the shipping deck yeah. or whatever yeah <laughs> on great. conveyor belts everywhere and it's so awesome you're just like everyone it's just this great magical place where like there's just 
there's literally like camera gear flying around you. Yeah. You know, I'm honestly surprised we've never seen it featured in like a movie somewhere or something like that. I mean, I guess that would be perhaps too disruptive for their actual operations. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But it's such a unique, awesome thing. Uh, Adorama does not have anything like that, but they do have a nice store you can visit. I went there because I bought my Hasselblad from Adorama. Um, so the next thing uh, unless there's any other follow-up questions about this camera uh, we've got uh 20 something live live viewers so we're well on our way to hi everyone live live stream stardom um biggest thing i wanted to talk about uh adobe last week or a couple days ago pushed a ton of updates uh to all their products really illustrator photoshop lightroom those are the main three that i use and um one of the big things they rolled out in Photoshop uh, was the ability to manipulate. Uh, I think it's in the Liquify panel. Um, not uh, it's in the filter panel. Filter. Yeah, uh, if you go to just Liquify, right? In the filter panel. Oh, I, it, yeah. It's just filters. It's under filters. And then what? It's just in the menu. Is it neural networks? Neural. Oh, neural filters. That's what they're called. Okay, cool. I, neural filters. I I'd either forgotten that, that you're right. So they're called neural filters. So they're, everybody's jumping on this neural network kind of, uh, I, I feel like it's mostly just marketing speak at this point. I, I suppose maybe they're yeah, actually, but it's using... also, I mean, it's, it's real prototype stage though. I mean, at this point it's yeah. people are starting to, companies are starting to roll out real neural network stuff. Yeah. So, uh, it has one click cleanup of skin smoothing acne. Uh, you can download essentially like algorithms, like the skin smoothing algorithm specific for acne. That's, you know, using machine learning to become very accurate and, and perfect. And, uh, I've been in a private iMessage group with a couple of photographers that, Ooh, wow. The smoothing looks very smooth, uh, with a couple of photographers that really, uh, use the, that, that went viral like a year or two ago, the, the face app, the face smoothing app. What was it called? Uh, the big thing that went viral is it made people with scary realism look like old or look very young, uh, depending on which filter you wanted to use. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called face something. Uh, it doesn't matter. The point is they've been using it in a professional application of running their high res photos through it to, to give people smiles when they were frowning and it would, it would, right. it would artificially add their teeth. Uh, it's like, how do they know what their teeth look like? They would just present some really nice, natural-ish looking teeth they would do skin smoothing of course like auto whatever and run every photo in their gallery through varying intensities of this algorithm and what do you think about oh man there's so much to unpack here but i'm just going to say right now straight up i want to i want to let you exaggerate your answer but for me something is wrong about this Something, it's very, it's bad. Something is bad and wrong. And it sets us up for a baseline sense of what we look like in a photo that isn't real. It, it's not even making somebody presentable in what it would be if they were in the best light in real life with the right camera. And angle. It is giving them fake teeth. It is making the expression of what they did in a photo as being sad, happy now. Uh, it isn't mm-hmm. real. You're not actually looking 
at that person as you know them. You might be looking at 30% of them, but it isn't real because it isn't them. However, uh, well, go ahead. What do you think? Um, okay. Well, I think I agree. I, uh, there's the problem I have with this is like, I agree with everything you're saying. However, I feel like there is this, this push towards inevitability that is existent that, that exists in the technology space where if we, it's Jurassic Park. Here's this, and this is after I watched um, the social uh, dilemma. Okay. I kind of had this this sort of revelation that, first of all, uh, Jurassic Park, one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, in that movie, the first one, the first one. Um, in that movie, Doctor Ian Malcolm says, at one point after. Uh, after they've had their tour, seeing how you can grow, you know, you can grow a velociraptor. Um, there is a fine line between what you can do and what you should do. I think the line is you, were you got so, so obsessed yeah. with what you could, what do. you can't could do that you didn't stop and think about whether or not you should. And well, see, that's what's weird. Everybody else seems to. People talk about it. Like, I mean, you and I are talking about it. I've heard other podcasts, not specifically about this um, uh, uh, niche of the discussion, being professional photographers and all that, but people in general are aware that this is a weird thing. Kids are growing up seeing what they look like as an adult when they're 12 years old, you know, through these apps. Mm -hmm. And and phones are uh, auto-lighting and auto-smoothing and auto, uh, you know, presenting your face in a way that is super polished and not real. And they are getting this fundamental uh, baseline understanding of, of who they are digitally. And their social life is primarily digital. So that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That's the priority. They're going to buy the camera that makes them look the best and use the software that makes them look even better um, and and exist digitally with this representation of themselves. But it's but it's not real, but it doesn't matter to them because the priority is digital. They don't care about the real life. Well, I mean, potentially. I'm, I'm being a little extreme. Right. I mean, I think, I think that that's, that's going down a rabbit hole of, of like, what about these kids? Um, yeah. You know, what about, think of the children. Um, but I, and I think that that's valid. And that's a discussion that needs to be had. But I think for us specifically in the photography space, what, like why like what is this going to be truly useful for a photographer so here's the thing something that we can deliver yeah exactly um first of all it is it is still thankfully based on my perspective i'm saying horrible it's a horrible it doesn't look that real and it's horribly uh inefficient in a workflow it's still like you can't do this to a raw file yet so it's, no. it's just annoying as crap. I just, yeah. The other thing is I just tried to, um, I just tried to pull it up and, uh, mess with a, a photo of myself while we were on okay. and it just, the bandwidth tanked. So yeah, I noticed. Um, so it is talking, yeah. it's doing crap across the cloud. So here's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've had a, a photographer friend, uh, edit an entire selection, you know, an entire gallery. Uh, and he, he apparently he does this all the time the entire set through uh, an app like this. Everybody looks 
115% themselves, like really, really good. Okay. But he skipped a few pictures. And the client came back oh. and said, hey, we love this photo, but it just, my something or another is showing here. Or it was like an acne, maybe a mole, whatever. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, so they noticed when the app wasn't applied. But what if you had delivered Ooh, the gallery really with nothing at all, uh, except for what you'd done in Lightroom evenly across everything with you know no brushwork or whatever. And so the baseline expectation of what they look like is set. Do you think that they would have come back and said, Oh, I look really bad in all the photos or do you th like, I'm not, I think that it would have been, it would, it would potentially have been a more internal discussion. Oh man, I really look like this, I guess. Exactly. But I doubt, so that, when that's I doubt presented, that they would have gone to the photographer and exactly. said, Hey, can you change 200 photos? When, for when me? that's presented is the truth. When the baseline edit is just tone and color, white balance, and then the core light of the day and lens choice. When that is presented as the truth, I think it sits fine with people. But as soon as you yeah. start extra work on a few photos or most of the photos the truth is now twisted and realigned in a way that they don't necessarily understand what they're looking at and so the photos that um are truthful versus the photos that are a lie the, tr the truthful ones stand out a lot more in a way that they're confused by or they just think they naturally it's a bad photo i don't know they, they don't understand you know, <laughs> okay am I making sense and uh, yes go ahead uh-huh I have a, well, I just have a, a philosophical We're talking about Facetune. Paige is asking a question. Uh, I'm talking specifically about the app Facetune and how uh, Photoshop is now professionally taking a lot of the Facetune features and implementing it into Photoshop. Sorry, go ahead, Nathan. So the philosophical angle is, are we as photographers, truth tellers, or uh, liars? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, because the question is like, okay, let's say you have, um, let's call it, um, a very beautiful but slightly overweight couple uh, that you're working with and you're you know you're photographing them and you're kind of shooting them in the in the most flattering way and giving them photos that they love uh, they come back and say man this these just look amazing um, versus like let's say you take a, a photo of like a extremely attractive person uh, who's like super thin, you shoot them in a weird way that makes them like not look all that great. My question is, um, what are we giving them a version of themselves? Or are we, are we lying to them about themselves just by the way we, we take the photo or are we presenting them with, here's how you really look, uh, or here's how you look I, and, and I guess, I guess that that's not really the way to look at it. The more that I think about it, the more I think of it is it really should be more of a creative angle where we're giving you an idea of what we think you look like. I, it's, I am shooting you and, and giving you an idea of what I see. It's a, I've struggled with this forever as a photographer, like how much flattery to add to a photo to make somebody feel good about the way you captured them and feel like that's sure. that's me that's how i felt in the moment that's how i see myself but what's occurring now is actual additional swap additional pixels or swapped out pixels in their entirety they are being completely programmed in and there's just a, i think a tipping point that's starting to be 
played with between you as a person digitally represented and then you as an avatar being represented you know cameras and Mm -hmm. computers are going to be so good that you and i nathan looking at ourselves through this chat right now i could say no 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 switch over to the avatar sam i don't want to have my glasses on i don't want i want to be more cleanly shaven i want to have my hair and it's going to be photorealistic perfect representation of me tweaked and adjusted to my heart's content which right okay nathan if i don't see you for six months your your perception and understanding of me as a human is no longer attached to reality. And I don't know what mm-hmm. the consequences of that are. I, it feels bad and wrong to me. Maybe I'm a little get off my lawn. This isn't how it is. <laughs> I don't know. But like something in that is very strange, especially if you want to take, again, another rabbit hole. I love I love flirting with rabbit holes here. The, the perspective mm-hmm. that so many people younger than us now um, starting romantic relationships online they meet they start Mm -hmm. talking they do everything digitally for for quite a while uh, sometimes especially now given lockdowns before they actually meet Mm -hmm. in person and i don't i don't know what the implications of that are uh but something just feels bad to me (laughs) i don't like it so yeah uh, well let's let's swing back around to the neural networks um and i i think the the question the question is again like the the problem with technology is that there's no there there's not really an incentive to say well it, there's a disincentive i think that's the right word um you're disincentivized to as a technology company to like not pursue something um whether it's like if you're like oh we have the ability to like Oh, let's, dude, best example of this is Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One, where they're like, hey, let's make Grand Moff Tarkin uh, just a, a CGI guy. Okay. We'll have an actor do his lines. Right. And then we'll put on, uh, um, what is it, uh, Peter? Um, it's fine. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, we know the Famous concept. actor. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, that that's just not how you do movies. It was it was offensive and terrible and and horrifying because you're looking at like a dead person yeah. that is like walking <laughs> around in real life. Yeah, it's creepy. So the applying that to like, should we do it? Like, can we do it? Yes. Should we do it? No. Um, I don't know how. Like the, along a long enough timeline. Right now, again, it sucks. It looks terrible. Um, to you know, sure. m- make Nathan happy you know, with the slider. Wait, wait, but you were getting um, into something. How, how does that tie into the neural net- networks that software is using? Well, what it, what it ties into is that like, we can, like, we can make, you know, I can make, uh, like I, I can make my expression a little bit, like I got, I got the photo like pretty good, but I just wish they were smiling just like a little bit more. You can change that. Uh, in this new update, it looks horrible, but eventually it's going to look good. Like it's going to look realistic. Is that okay? Well, the thing is, addition with that, you you might be looking at these photos and say, like, yeah, I um, want this person to be a little. I want them to look a little bit better to to me through my filter as Sam the photographer, but. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming an awful lot in that perspective of what the client and how that person 
does or doesn't see themselves in a way that sure. also feels a little ethically strange to me in, in the in the way that I think back often, my, my wedding clients will pick a profile picture that is literally an iPhone photo of a moment or a photo that I almost didn't even deliver because I was like, I don't know, I'm not that happy with it uh, as a photographer. And I'm just like, oh my God, every time they, they pick a profile photo, it's like yep. that's a situation. It's always yeah. the wrong so, one. You know, or like you take that exact yeah. same, that's sort of like a, a pulled, zoomed out view of the, the argument I'm trying to present. You, you pull that into your actual decision-making with white balance, exposure, tone, and all that, and then actually changing the pixels of someone's face. And there's, there's a lot that you're assuming and distorting about uh, how somebody wants to appear in an image. And it just seems, you know, hopefully you have a baseline understanding with your clients and, and their review of your work that you're staying consistent within that. But once your work also aligns with a certain expression that's always presented and you're doing it in a way that's manipulating pixels to achieve it, it's, it's just weird. And it's certainly not uh, photography anymore. Uh, that, that uh, beyond a certain point, right. honestly, here's what I wish could occur. Right. And this would actually tie into a lot of other issues, uh, politically related, social media related, everything. I wish there was a standard of, uh, review that you could look at any any photo presented to you on the internet and not necessarily see like the original capture the unedited you know photojournalistic version of this but see a metadata account a line item of count of everything that's happened to the photo so at least it lists Ooh, interesting oh this is run through a face swap app this video has been manipulated in a way and it's been done in this way via uh, some tag Again, you don't have to see the the actual before after, but just some flag, some huge standardized like DMCA type of you know embedded flag that is occurring on things. So at least you know that the that this isn't truth. Like, hi, this image has been digitally manipulated. Right. And you can in, do everything um, you want up to that point in the stuff. capture and, and lighting of the, the shot, you know, with whatever you want. But once you've got the file, uh, it is being at least somehow flagged as so the end viewer, if they want to investigate and just see, has this been run? I'm, I'm more concerned, honestly, if you want to tie this, it all kind of ties together in some way. I'm very, very sure. concerned with everybody having their photos everywhere on the internet, no questions asked. And um, eventually, uh, especially in video, uh, technology being so good that you can just pop a picture of you know Nathan Mitchell on some gay porn and th like boom you're that person and in a I'm, porn film and then I'm out there <laughs> I'm, and I'm I'm living free and, it will look and I'm living large photorealistic and it's going to be a huge freaking problem I, it seems like but maybe this yeah. will slow drip so much that like people won't even care past a certain point because that seems to be how things um, are occurring in our world these days maybe. <laughs> but, but like it's it seems like in a, but that's the thing the problem to me is that it seems inevitable and if for me just a random uh you know dude a not involved in the technology space not even knowing the like limitless capabilities that cloud computing and quantum computing holds right now if i'm thinking oh maybe this is possible dude it's possible yeah. like and not only is it possible it's gonna happen yeah so i think the 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 problem is Technology is heading in this direction and it's going to go in this direction. How are we going to be able to uh, 
feel like we're doing right by our clients. Um, I don't know. This, I, I when don't this comes know. To, you know, and when this becomes, if we're just talking about faces, imagine for a second that it gets so good that you could manipulate a moment so that, uh, sure. you know, a hug or a, a gesture between people could be like, you know what? It would be way better if their, if their fingers were actually like aligned or their fingers were being mm-hmm. held this way instead of this way or something like that. And you're, you're literally like mold. You're, right. you're kind of becoming a painter <laughs> at that point, but it's being presented as reality, right. which is, which is a problem. At least with a painting, it's almost always classified or obvious to some degree that like, Oh, you're looking at a painting and there's just uh, an alignment of truth in your brain that is good and healthy and, and okay from a creative uh, perspective. But a lot of this digitization, a lot of this photography, videography, yeah. people are assuming that this is what it actually looks like when, when again, we're, we're actually getting further away from the truth. Something that I've been thinking about a lot, this is a little bit philosophical, but it's something that, that has been just bouncing around in my brain for the last month. I'm reading a, a, the autobiography of Ansel Adams right now. And in the first couple of chapters, he's, he's talk, he talks about, you know, some of the people that he was really impressed with, um, their photography. And he's talking about Alfred Stieglitz and Stieglitz was one of the pioneers of photography. And somebody asked him during some kind of class or workshop or something, what's a creative photograph? (laughs) and they were like, what is this creative photography that you're, you're talking about? I I don't get it. And he said, okay, he said, here's, here's a creative photograph. I have, uh, I get my camera. I have the desire to go out and take pictures. I go out and I experience something. I see something that I don't want to photograph. I photograph it. And then I give that print to you as the equivalent of what I saw and how I felt. And I was like, whoa, I was like, that blew my mind. I was like, that's what a photograph is, is it's you seeing something and your the creativity of it is what you feel, what, what strikes you emotionally or spiritually or physically about that moment you capture it in a way that expresses that. Yeah, it's like a, uh, it's like a thumbprint of your brain filter to the best of your ability right. uh, in in a way that somebody else is able to kind of get a peek inside your 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 mind. That that's Right. This is yeah. what I'm seeing. This is yeah. how I see you and that's what I've been kind of doing for the past month and all the shoots that I've done have just had this idea just rattling around in my head. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, to tie it back with what you were saying, photography is presented as this is what happened. I mean, it it might be a creative version of what happened. It might be stylized. It might have some, you know, some prism things happening in front of it, or it might, there might be leaves in front or something, but you're still looking at a, a real moment that happened. And when you start, to change that moment in post, like really change things, you there's a line that gets crossed between like, you know, making somebody's ear a little bit less red. Yeah. 
because they were and then physically you know, making their ear or, a different size <laughs> right yeah right there's there's a line that can be crossed that's where and it, it's uh, sorry i finish your thought well and the the line that line is this is photography and this this is now not photography it's it's something beyond photography Which, exactly i stand by this statement i cannot believe the uproar caused but I, I stand by it the more you dodge and burn the less you're a photographer <laughs> i yeah. i truly believe this and, and and i'm not saying dodging and burning is bad but there is a tipping point and that's where gosh you know i guess the only company that could really pull this off would be maybe apple uh, unless everybody got on board and mm -hmm. But even that, so what, and I'm tying this back to, again, some sort of standard, like this is the official version and it has been modified in some way. Here's the list. But like, maybe there's a tipping, like if it's been modified more than 50% or if actual pixels were adjusted, I don't know. Or if you, or if it, maybe, maybe an app could have its own thumbprint, like, Hey, this, this, this photo was edited using Lightroom. Then Two days later, it was edited with face swap. What I would like um, is some, like a, you said it, like a digital fingerprint that gets associated with digital content so that you as the, the viewer have from some layer of authority, the, the fingerprint issuer controllers, I suppose, some layer of authority as to whether this, how removed from the truth is, is what I'm looking at. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to have a better sense of in everything on the internet. I mean, I, yeah. I have issues yeah. with editing the way people edit things often to, to make it more outrageous than it actually was. It's you should sure. be told can... when, even if you don't have to see the nuts and bolts of how it was done, like this has been heavily edited to, to drive uh, this type of reaction or narrative in what I was doing. If you wanted like just, Flick a button and it swoops around and it's like yes this was edited to get this point across and it swoops back to whatever <laughs> the pr the so the problem is i think in a lot of ways is there's a difference between i the one thing that i'm worried about as a photographer is that the art of photography could face a, a bit of a decline um if you for instance let's say you want to do a, a snow, like a, like a portrait session in the snow. Okay. Let's say you're just starting out. You're, you're two years in your photos, like, you know, to you, your photos are pretty good. Um, but you know, looking back pretty on sad. it, you'll know that you were terrible. <laughs> um, I, you know, and so you're, but you're out there and you're shooting and, um, now in my situation, I would have gone uh, let's let's call it you know eight years ago i was shooting um two years in i got my photos i came back i edited them i put them out eight years later i'm looking back on them and be like man so but but now what what i could do is i could go and shoot that two years in again just kind of up and comer photographer shoot my session and come back and be like man that's that session was really good but i really wish there was more snow click yeah boom you got more snow like no prop no questions asked you could do that right now you could go out I mean, there and could, put like beautiful you could literally go shoot and, and and some fall session and then be like man i wish we got the snow that we got last week and you could be like boom mm -hmm. here here you go Here's or i wish the trees were like <laughs> you know like so much like super super colorful and and beautiful and like 
uh, and fuller or something like you can do that and you and and it takes it does not the skill involved isn't in the capturing of the photo and you're not going to I don't think you're going to progress as a photographer if you lean on a digital manipulation after you've taken the photo in order to make your photos look better. Well, maybe. That's tough to say. I've always been a believer that the more work the camera does for you, it actually leaves a lot of headroom in your creative process to then pay attention on layers even deeper than than that. I mean, we're basically sure. at the point now where you don't really have to worry about focus so much anymore because the camera's not going to miss. And s- Right, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about manipulating a scene, though. Yeah. Like, let's say you're shooting a wedding and they do like a confetti exit, but like the confetti kind of sucks. It just yeah. doesn't really, but dude, you could easily AI some confetti in there yeah. and make it look like super awesome. And maybe the client won't even remember. Maybe they were so, you know, like worked up about getting married. They're so happy. They didn't even remember that the confetti sucked. They saw the photos and they're like, Whoa, I didn't so, even realize the confetti was this. Exactly. Cool. But this, so, but but that you're still talking about stuff that is seriously debatable as whether it's okay or not to do, without even getting to to actual physical manipulation of humans like that. That's where it's starting to get right. very strange to me. Is that like, yeah, it, it's it's debatable as to whether or not manipulating a scene, the lighting, the confetti. People are probably fine generally with that to get across the mood and the memory of mm-hmm. what it was like in someone's head, perhaps. But when you're when you're actually kind of playing plastic surgeon uh, to, yeah. to create this untruthful representation of someone's actual physique, it's just tough. It's so tricky. But you're still doing that with lens choice. You know, somebody looks massively different sure. from a 14 millimeter ultra wide versus a, a 200 millimeter. I mean, you're still making the the head and the compression between their ears and nose or whatever, totally different based on that lens choice. Um, but there's still something yeah. very analog in that representation. Right. You need to know that your lens is going to do that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you need to be like, it's all done oh, in, I'm in, picking this lens. It's all done in, because in actual physics that. of reality through lenses mm-hmm. and glass. However, counterpoint, devil's advocate. Sure. Um, I was watching a, uh, a little featurette on the Phantom Thread you heard of have you seen phantom thread no i don't know anything about movie with paul thomas anderson i don't know who that is uh anyway all it was shot entirely on film but they did all these like test shots and there was just like they got the shooting in film is a completely other world where you have to be like oh this type of 400 actually is a little more green in it so that's why we wanted to use the other type of 400 because we were going for a little more of a yellow vibe and that is like, oh, when I was watching that, I was like, there is a depth of film knowledge here that I've never, that I'm a, I'm a professional photographer. I've been a professional photographer for 10 years, and this is something I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I'm just saying that there is a level of skill involved in just choices in gear that is very manipulative in terms of creating a scene or, or shooting, you know, people as well. Yeah. You know, we're talking about lenses, but prior to lenses, there was also like this whole, Oh yeah. This whole and, world and, you know, of tens film. of thousands of, uh, color scientists and scientists that, that went into 
their brain power went into the development and, and the choice for you of how that film was going to react color wise right. and everything else. I mean, it, it was, um, it is a whole different world, a whole totally different way of thinking. And I think, you know, in some level that that's where a lot of the appeal from film, film comes. But I think, Digital unlocks a way deeper path to um, your creative interpretation of a scene. Like you can access things like the actual pixels on your sensor now to manipulate the color and the tone and everything in a way that you're basically playing the the film color scientists that thousands of people were required to to make uh, a film stock right. back in the day. Now you're able to do completely that entire process all as an individual on your own if you want, um, which I think is really great because it it, better, it brings you layers closer to what you have in your brain. And when that's out, yes. out into the world and it resonates with people, that's good. That's all great. So you learn so much about everybody else uh, in life through that process. But once you start digitally adding stuff, I don't know, man, it's just freaking me out. The, the, the manipulation yeah. of body parts and, and, and again, not to go too much in this rabbit hole, but people's baseline understanding and perception of what they actually look like being completely removed or mostly removed from the truth must be a bad thing for someone's psyche to, to think that you look one way, but wake up and look in the mirror and know somewhere in the back of your head unless you completely mm -hmm. lie to yourself which over a long enough duration of time perhaps sure but like unless but you know you don't look like that so it just seems like that's a recipe for sadness <laughs> uh i i you know i don't want to get too much into this welcome psyche to facebook profile exactly but but I'm just, all of this stuff seems like it's going to make the problems that are sort of surfacing in everyday life now way, way, way worse. And it's going to be slow and incremental, but just like so much worse. And I don't know how to stop <laughs> it. I don't know how to stop it. I wish I could. But um, I, I I hate that Facebook has, has pushed um, in this direction. I know why they did it. A lot of these tools and things people were doing manually anyway in certain industries. Um, so they're just creating shortcuts for it, but their shortcuts are going to um, create higher volume and, and change yeah. reality. Okay. Um, slightly switching gears. Uh, or before we switch gears, are there any questions or comments in the, uh, in the chat that you can see? Yeah. Yeah. People anything? have been chiming in. I, I have trouble reading them while talking because it, it distracts me from, well, give me, give me one or two now. Uh, no, uh, we've touched on all of them. Yeah. We've been, okay. we've been good. All right. So uh, yes. Okay. Switching, switching gears then. Um, tell me about a recent shoot that you did. Uh, well, uh -huh. I was in Maine this whole past week, and that was really great. I did um, about a, I flew into Portland, Maine, drove about two hours to a session in the mountains, and so on that drive, I gave myself much, much more time than just two hours. And on the drive, I stopped and took pictures of just kind of landscapes and the beautiful foliage around cool. Maine using the the Hasselblad with the Hasselblad, yeah, which I nice. absolutely love. And that uh, was nice. I mean, it was just by myself driving along the highway, and then. Uh, photograph my clients there and oh and, and then two other shoots in kind of downtown portland uh which was nice just to kind of walk through the neighborhoods and portland is great nice. maine in general sort of like if i had to make a movie uh centered around halloween fall time whatever like these neighborhoods yeah. in portland maine are it like that that is where 
my brain pictures kids walking through neighborhoods trick-or-treating and stuff like that it's beautiful cool but, it is interesting i went to port or i went to maine this last august oh yeah you did this year yeah 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 june yeah. Or, sorry july you guys august, drove, yeah. right mm-hmm. um and yeah we drove up there it was crazy but we drove up there it's it was like, like eight nine four, hours 12 hours oh, wow. no it was like 12 hour drive yeah because we had we had like a a 78 year old uh dude with us my father-in-law was with <laughs> us uh so we ended up stopping a bunch but um we yeah but it was awesome like it definitely like i can see as an extrovert and as a person who kind of likes city life and everything like maine is definitely not where i would ever go uh by myself did you go or to portland anything no we went to we were we were out a little ways we were near um acadia national ah. park portland's and a proper city it's it's cool. smaller a lot of homeless people goodness i'm surprised so oh, really like they would trend a little warmer but oh my gosh something mm. way worse than uh, dc or baltimore actually it was shocking maybe i just yeah. caught it in... uh, that's saying something <laughs> yeah but, but it, it was still a fantastic city i'm not saying i just noticed in a lot of the parks like yeah. wow these are a lot of homeless people yeah. um yeah but but i i liked maine though it's so quiet i can definitely see why people will want to go there especially like write books or something yeah because i know that that's kind of like the classic thing is like on the east coast it's like if you're an east coast writer like you're going to maine for like Stephen a few King, months you're doing your book that off <laughs> yeah. yeah and it makes sense i was i was up there and i was working on music at the time and i was like man this is like perfect it's exactly yeah. what i need just like a completely quiet secluded nobody is messing with you at all anywhere we just went swimming in lakes and it was great yeah lovely um, I, i've never been yeah. there in the bitter uh cold of winter i'm curious how things change it's, i'm sure it's beautiful it's too but i don't know yeah and the thing is too is i love uh i love snow and apparently it like just crushes snow up there so i'm I'm in for that. That's that, great. that would be something I would love to, have, to go get snowed in in Maine for a couple of months. Have you done any shoots recently of note? Yeah, I did actually my last wedding of the year on this past what? Saturday, my last one on the books. Wow. Yep. Yep. So uh, it was cool though, because it was, so it was a wedding that was supposed to be in December and they ended up just moving it up to October. Thankfully I was open on this date. Um, but <laughs> still they, in my life this year. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, good job getting back to me. Um, anyway, so they, yeah. So it, I did a session. I did like a, a, an engagement session with the same couple at this like farm where I guess it was like her cousin's farm. Cool. And they ended up just deciding to, cause their whole wedding plans originally they were going to switch to like may. And then they just said, screw it. Let's just get married now let's do it at the same place we did the engagement session and they were like nathan are you available I'm like let's make it happen so it was really pretty and it was like a perfect kind of like i don't know if you were shooting on saturday were you shooting yeah. on saturday in town no but it or was, was that it still oh, you were in like perfect but it was perfect yeah. it was it was beautiful it was overcast and the colors in the trees just are gonna pop real nice on on camera so love it i was really excited and it was 
being that it was my last wedding of the year, I was only contracted for three hours and I ended up staying for like almost five. I was just hanging out because they did like a bonfire and they were like, Nathan, come hang Love out. We need some Chick-fil-A. It, you know, and I was like, yeah. I, I wish I could better articulate to clients that when I don't have like a defined period of time, if you, if clients could just leave it up to me to, to, to come yeah. when I think I should and leave when I think I should, I bet I would stay the volume of coverage would be larger than if I'm like, yeah. oh, I got 30 minutes left. I'm going to stick it out. But I think I would, you mm-hmm. know, for the really great weddings, like you just want to stay and be around the energy. And, yeah. And uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It, but. it was so fun to just be at this wedding. And the thing is too, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but these, these smaller weddings that are happening, like they're, they're a godsend, like in a lot of ways. I'm so relaxed at these things. The clients are so relaxed there. I think there's a little bit of an element of like, I wish my you know, more of my friends were here, yeah. but I really don't get a much of that vibe. I think really the, the most important people are there. Yeah. Their family is there. And, and in this one, they weren't even live streaming this one, but in the case of live streaming, you know, there's, at least your your most important people are watching. Yep, and and you're having the end have, result, uh, real life photographs, hopefully to to yes. go with it and share in the experience. Yeah, yeah, and the end result is you have a really great wedding that you and you get married. Like that's the point, and that's what I love about wedding photography is that it's like, um, it's a. Th- it's something that's so important and so much and so and so monumental yeah. uh, that it just feels I don't know impactful to be there. So and, and not to should, uh, we should probably wrap this soon, but this made me think of what is the purpose of photos now? What do you, what do you think most people would say to that question? Mm. What is the purpose of having this is a question that should be asked all the well, time? Yeah, and what is the purpose of having a photo of something? Because the vast majority of photos people take never get looked at again. The vast majority. Like, what is the purpose of it? Is it to, in my estimation, what I've always believed it to be, is, is, it, is it to better recall and be reminded of a moment in time that you'd forgotten about? And through Certainly that photo, uh, bring to life that picture in your head of all those various moments. Whether it be exaggerated, it's it's not accurate. Obviously, people's memories are very flawed, but the photo is hopefully, if done in the right way, uh, creating a pathway to your inaccurate assessment and memory of it in your head being presented in a way that is very exciting, not, maybe not truthful, but that distortion is happening through your own imagination, your own memory of your emotions and feeling. That's what the photo for mm-hmm. me, a photograph is meant to enable. But what I think is maybe occurring here is that people want to create photographs and, and make them as accurate in the moment as as close to when it actually occurred as flatteringly and beautiful as possible like i didn't say that well but so what okay what do you mean exactly because i think that's the point that's obvious for me in photography is to have this record of a memory that you can look back later on uh 
and enjoy, not right now, yeah. and see it through. Yes, your memory uh, in in resurfacing the memory, uh, resurfacing the photograph and looking at it. Your memory and imagination isn't going to be accurate. It's not going to be truthful to what exactly occurred there. But the photograph is going to enable a distortion in your brain to uh, of of that memory to be the most flattering account of itself or better than it actually was. But still that distortion, that, that disconnect from the truth is occurring in your own brain chemistry. And Mm -hmm. if the photo is as close to the truth as possible in the most flattering way, I think that creates a nice balance between those two experiences. But what's happening now, it seems to be to me with photography is that people are trying to get that instant gratification, that instant manipulation of the truth and presenting things in its maximum best light right now like right after the moment occurred a week later months later like right now relative to the duration of your life uh when most people look at photos years down the line we're we're experiencing it right now we're trying to (laughs) and and so that's where for me a photograph is is a gateway a portal at a later time when things have faded from your mind to be reminded of them in a way that yes isn't going to be accurate but is accurate enough to the truth that your brain remembers it positively and it's it's enriching I'll give you, to your life. i'll give you an example of that right now okay um i sent you i just sent you a photo um um and let me know when you get it got it okay can you describe the photo uh it's like a blurry maybe tilt shifty picture of a house on the beach it's pretty yeah. pretty washed out looks like an old yeah. cabin sort of really cool uh, with some, yeah. some water. So, it looks like you're shooting from really high up, down low. It's mm-hmm. uh, free-lensed, perhaps. So it's what it actually is, is a uh, medium-format film shot from a little Holga that we took with us to France. We shot that from the top of... Um, what's that? Uh, the one with... Oh, gosh. Um, Saint-Michel? Mont-Saint-Michel. Um, yeah, so we were at the top of Mont-Saint-Michel, and Abigail took that photo of, um, I think it's a chapel, I guess, uh, on sort of one of the cliff's edges. Okay. Seeing that photo, so we took this trip last November. I I think I mentioned this on one of the podcasts earlier, but I just got them uh, uh, developed and we got them back. Mostly they're just garbage, um, <laughs> incorrectly shot or exposed but this one was just perfect and we i i saw it in seeing that image just my brain just like blossoms with so many memories of everything that i was thinking and feeling that image perfectly captures what it looks like that day it was overcast it was crazy we were on the top of a cliff it was hazy it was it was washed out it was beautiful and uh, I think that's the power of an, of an image is to, is to really bring to mind something that happened, something that really happened yeah, or a person that really existed or something. But what's going to occur and, as time and the duration between when the mm-hmm. photo was made and later, uh, what's going to occur is, is, you know, uh, an exaggerated, incorrect account of what, really happened and for me it's almost like a reversal a photo should be made with the intention that assuming that account is going to occur with inaccuracy the choices i'm making 
in the editing and using a free lens and a prism are going to enhance from still from a baseline truthful perspective but enhance the the positive uh memory the the positive feeling and emotion of you being there um and when you do too much too soon to a photo that you you experience that a week later or the same day or whenever you get the photo immediately whatever mm -hmm. um i just feel like you're robbing yourself of that um connection to the moment so anyway getting a little bit ranty and not connecting thoughts very well, well but this is for me why a photo exists okay. and so many people now just take pictures of everything and don't they don't even think they just think that they are documenting their their brain so they won't forget it but they're going to forget it uh and and when you heavily manipulate something beyond uh the truth well beyond the truth mm. of what is actually there they're they're gonna it's it's gonna be even less of a connection because their brain the bridge is broken between what their brain remembers and what this photo is now representing. It's going right. to look like a, right. yeah. And, and so, in some cases we can go back to the confetti example. What if they do remember the confetti? What if they do remember that it was like, what if, what if a positive memory of theirs is like how funny it was that, that the confetti went off, but there wasn't much there. And they get these photos back that there's fucking confetti everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and and they're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. This isn't. There's something wrong with this. I've I've um, had issues, been conflicted with that when I've added, like, of course, double exposures and stuff like that. My my justification internally is that I'm still doing it in camera, so it's okay. But I do mm -hmm. wonder how a lot of people um, digest, like, oh, that light is crazy sure. cool, but it. All we was saw it with really that all cool? we saw was this tiny little bead. <laughs> you know, we didn't right, actually right, see right, the right, streak right. wrapping around us. Um, it's right, but but no, because when it's presented within the context of a larger collection, um, yeah, collection where you're like, okay, this is what happened. Then that photo that looks crazy, they don't even know what the hell you were doing, um, becomes a creative photograph yeah. that. This is like, this is how Sam Hurd saw this moment. Yeah. Um, this is how Sam Hurd prefers to view you guys. Well, then do you um, think you can uh, justify with the word creative or creativity a, a manipulation of somebody's physique? It's like, oh, yeah, I got creative with that photo. I wanted to add your teeth. Mm. Like, that's no, a line. That's not creativity. That's, no. that's weird. No. Why, though? Why? It's the same thing. Well, I do know lots of let's, you know, there's, there's sort of like a classic, like the, the classic sort of like Russian, uh, editing, uh, you, you've, you've seen it where it's just like this crazy <laughs> yeah, edit. couples floating around in like uh, snow globes in, in like, someone's pump. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, but, but I think that that in, in a lot of ways is kind of cool that's a, because it's a great example. It's it, cool. But th that couple, you're robbing your, your future self of the ability to connect to something that actually occurred. You might be able to trick right. your brain and lie to yourself that, you know, when you're 80 years old, you look back at a photo of you in a snow globe and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a fun day, but no, you, but you're lying Well, no, you, somewhere. But, yes. but you could say that is kind of how I felt during that day, but wouldn't, and that could be an emotional feeling after seeing that image. But if now, if you, okay, let's say they were in the snow globe. Totally. I'm, I'm cool with them being in the snow globe, but let's say they change the groom to uh, you know, beast 
from Beauty and the Beast. Okay. I'm um, sure it's been done. I'm sure it's been done. Um, what does that do? Oh, I really felt like Beast, you know, in that. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it, it's starting to break my brain. It, I don't know that. I know. It does, it does are... start to mess with your brain. But to me, it's creating a disconnect from the truth of what occurred. And on some level, in your mind, whether you can articulate it or admit it or not, you're going to know whether this was truthful. And I feel like it's going to make you more sad and it's going to be a net negative to get, look back on a collection of photos and see a T-Rex photoshopped in behind the ceremony and be like, that was funny that week, you know, that it came out and it was, and it looks so amazing, but it would be sad to me to see a photo. If that was the only surviving picture of your wedding ceremony and realize like, Oh, but what was, what did it actually look like without the T-Rex behind it? What did we, what were we actually doing? Not in a a snow globe, (laughs) like, you know, whatever, like, that's the thing. I think you're really going to appreciate the, the restraint in, in trying to capture as much as you can, given a baseline assumption of truth in what is happening in camera or with basic color grading and toning and cropping in post and, and like there yeah, is a I line think, that gets passed yeah. and it's moving physical it, pixels around it's changing that right. that imprint that occurred on the sensor level and moving though that grid of pixels moving them now like transporting them and right. changing those pixels in post uh and 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 maybe it's maybe it looks good but at that point you you do have to say okay I w- if I'm going to do this, then you're, you're I can't stealing, call myself You're a stealing something from your future self that I think is is not appreciated, isn't even thought about by the vast majority of people, but is is going to occur, and it freaks me out. <laughs> I hate I hate it. It freaks okay. me the heck out. I mean, and I see this with overprocessed pictures that I have from you know, the iPhone 10 years ago where, uh, Insta snap or whatever came out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. actually like this is, soothing and I don't stuff. I have zero emotional connection to this. Cause this is not even close to how it actually was. And there's a line even in, in processing, even when you're not moving physical pixels that I think it's overstepped where you're robbing your future self, the chance to experience, um, a mix, uh, a baseline understanding of truth mixed with the inaccurate, account and imagination that your brain fills in with the gaps that leads to a pleasing memory for your brain and adding right. somebody's smile or changing the size of their nose or all this other stuff um especially with a f- human's physique uh is something i just i can't get on board with to the extreme that you, that it becomes standard. Um, again, I'm not against liquefy or something like that. If it's like clearly sure. the dress was crumpled like this, but you know, it, it normally was like meant to sit like, like this. Yeah. Got like, like six double chins. Exactly. You know, you can kind of bring them in. This needs to be talked about and flushed out more as an idea. And we, we need to stop just accepting it as the inevitable truth. You can choose to not make that your truth. Um, and, and not be a part of your workflow in photography. So I don't know. We, we've ranted long enough here. In the, yeah. In the future, are we going to be, are, are there, is there going to be two types of photographers? One who's like, I don't do digital manipulations of your photos. Yeah. And one that 
that doesn't say whether or not they that do it already occurs, and you get your photos man. Back. It already occurs, but even that is rarely true. That's what film photographers are basically presenting in their, even if it's not outwardly said, it's right. in the tone of what their, their marketing speak is. It's like, this is film, it's analog, it's natural, it's real. And it's like, but even film photographers, like a lot of times it's a few portraits that they snap on film and the rest of the day is covered digitally. And, you know, I wait, but I do, I do like though, the, the handful of times that I have shot with, uh, film photographers, there's a couple of real good ones in Virginia and I've shot with them and it is cool to just, that they're just kind of like, they're shooting that moment with film, it's on film. They do a, a minimal process uh, from Richard Photo Lab, and it looks great, like beautiful images. And it, but it's just, it is just exactly as they saw it. Cool. And hmm. it's kind of cool to like see it like that. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. Well, uh, we can continue this another time. Uh, yeah. It's pouring rain here, so I got to go check, make sure there's no flooding. It is. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. Thanks I'm for everybody that tuned out. in, and uh, yeah, catch you later. Yep. See you later, everybody. Bye, Sam.